Here we go. It is Big 12 Tournament Week. I cannot believe it's here. March Madness is right around the corner. I'm Pete Mundo on HeartlandCollegeSports.com covering the Big 12 Conference uh, as we do each and every week and welcoming on a guy who you are going to hear plenty from this week and read plenty from this week on the website, and that is our lead basketball writer, Matthew Postens. Uh, Matthew, it is, I guess you would say, the calm before the storm. Our goal this week is to try to make sure that you are upright by Monday, and I hope that we can achieve that. How are we doing? Uh, so far, so good. I think I wrapped up all the men's previews that I can do last night, and I got women's previews to wrap up tonight. So uh, it's going to be the last year where the men's and the women's tournaments will be going on simultaneously. They're going to split them up next year like you know the Big Ten does. Women will be first, men will be after that. So instead of five concentrated days in Kansas City, it'll be like a week and a half party for me next year. Oh, really? Uh, who's paying for that, by the way? Because I can't figure that I out. I don't know. <laughs> I, I assumed you were going to pay for that. But hey, you know, if, no. you have a, if you have a selfless benefactor who wants to pay for it, go for it. <laughs> Maybe one of our listeners will, will be able to take care of Matthew Poston's two-week vacation in Kansas City. I think that sounds like a good sponsorship opportunity. But no, we're going to make it work. Um, things are changing. And it's probably for the best. I mean, let's be honest. Um, it is difficult. You've got the women playing at Municipal Auditorium. For those people that know Kansas City, uh, Municipals, uh, you know, it was nice in uh, 1972. It's it's not T-Mobile Arena. Getting the women over there is good for them, good for the players, good for the fans and the coaches. So it makes the most sense for next year. It makes your life a little bit easier, and it makes our coverage easier too. So that's going to be a win-win. Yeah, I think so. And, and, you know, there's there's a continued drive for equity and balance between both men's and women's tournaments. And, you know, this, this gives the women uh, the kind of spotlight they deserve, having their tournament in that arena, uh, giving them the opportunity for the same kind of experience. There's nothing wrong with the experience in the Municipal Auditorium. I think it's a nice venue, but um, they should be on equal footing, and I think they're going to take care of that next year. Yeah, so let's look at where we're at right now. Uh, men's side of things. Uh, Joe Lenardi has seven teams in. We were talking about nine a couple of weeks ago, but Oklahoma State's hit the skids here even after beating Texas Tech on Saturday. The Pokes play the Sooners Wednesday night uh, in the 7-10 game. Then they get Texas if they win that one on Thursday in the quarterfinals. What do you think about Oklahoma State, Matthew? Do they need two wins, or should beating OU be enough to get them in? I think they're probably going to need two. Uh, you know, I, I think um, beating Oklahoma is going to help them. I mean, right now, you know, going into the tournament, they're like the first team off the bubble, the yes. first team out of the tournament, according to Lenardi. So, you know, Oklahoma, I think would, a win over Oklahoma would momentarily get them in. Um, but then I think they're going to need a win over Texas, I think, on Thursday to help them uh, help get them over the hump. I, I just, you know, a lot of it is dependent upon what happens in the rest of the country, but already going in to the Big 12 tournament, we've already seen three or four uh, other conference tournaments not go chalk. In other words, the number one seed not winning the tournament and thus getting the automatic bid. So that creates a little bit more chaos. There could be a few more bid stealers out there among the, the big six conferences, and that can make Oklahoma State's life more difficult. The more tournaments that don't go to chalk, um, the harder I think it's going to be for Oklahoma State to get in with just one win in Kansas City. You know, I'm afraid you might be right, but I'm looking at this team and I'm saying, okay, um, they've got a net ranking in the top 45. They have yeah. six quad one wins. They're 5-0 mm -hmm. and oh in quad four wins, so they don't have any bad losses. 
I, I mean, I, I feel like this could be the case where the strength of this conference actually hurts Oklahoma State. You know, it, it's possible. You know, we, we've talked a lot this season about how the overall conference, overall strength of the conference kind of helps pull teams up, kind of helps pull them along. So that's why Oklahoma State's net rating is so high in spite of the fact that, you know, they had an under 500 record in, in conference play. Um you know, that's why their, you know, their Ken Palm rating is great. They're, they have a, one of the best defenses in the country. Um, but I, you know, it's so hard to compare resumes at this point because you've got probably 10 to 15 teams that are sitting there with the same kind of resume. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're probably going to be competing for maybe four or five at-large berths. So, um, I, I, I would actually kind of disagree a bit. I think the overall strength of the conference might help them in a scenario like that. One win over Oklahoma will help them. I think two wins, winning that game over Texas, upsetting the Longhorns, I think that would actually get them in. Okay. All right. Yeah, they're a lot to beat the Longhorns. I just wonder if they beat the Sooners, yeah. if that's enough. But it, it may not be. And it also could depend on what happens in other conference tournaments as well. Um, West yeah. Virginia's in after they beat Kansas State on Saturday. Uh, that's pretty much a done deal. They're playing Texas Tech. Obviously, the Red Raiders have a slew of issues right now. Mark Adams suspended for the tournament. I, You know, I mean, we sit here having this conversation on the Tuesday before the tournament. Mark Adams, that future, I don't know how he survives it. It just feels to me, Matthew, no matter how you feel about the situation, it just feels to me – like, how do you bring the guy back with how the last few days have gone? And I don't, I don't see how he coaches another game in Lubbock. It's a tough situation. It, it really is because he, everybody loved him last year. After yeah. what happened, they got to the Sweet Sixteen. He held the program together. He he looked like he was the right hire. And then you know, really, you go all the way back to October. There was daylight then between Mark Adams and Fardaz Amac in terms of his recovery from his foot injury. You know, Adams told me that, you know, they were hopeful that it would be the start of Big 12 play. Amac told me and Carlos Silva at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal that, you know, the, the traditional recovery time for an injury like that would put it closer to the end of January. And we all know what happened, you know, at the, at the middle of December. There was this brief moment when everybody thought Amac was going to the transfer portal and, and it, it didn't be, end up being the case. But, this has just been a very odd season where you hear a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that you know we can't talk about because it's not properly sourced reporting. But I, I don't think it's just about what ha- this what happened over the weekend might be the last straw in a series of things that have happened this season uh, that might very well end up costing Mark Adams his job. Yeah, um, it's a crazy way for this year to end and what has been a bizarre year on and off the court uh, for the Red Raiders. Now, let's look at the top of this, and I want to talk big picture here, Matthew. You look at the Big 12 tournament since it moved to Kansas City permanently in 2010, and outside of the COVID year, 2020 was canceled because of the pandemic. 2021 was still limited capacity due to COVID. Outside of that year when Texas won the tournament, which there were really no fans at, it has been either Kansas, Iowa State, or Missouri won it once back in 2012. It's always one of these northern Big 12 schools, oftentimes because, many will say, KU is right there in the backyard of Kansas City. Iowa State fans love coming to Kansas City for this tournament. They drink this place at a bush light ten times over. 
So uh, do you like Kansas City, or do you think Brett Yormark is going to try to bounce this thing around, especially with with the Big 12 expansion coming? First of all, I love Kansas City. I think it's a great place for a basketball tournament like that. The venue's great. Everything around the venue is great. I mean, you have a place where basically you can just have a three- or four-day party. And, and believe me, the, folk, the Iowa State folks know how to party. Yes. Um, <laughs> did a little bit of that with them in 2019 after they won the tournament. Not going to do that again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't hang with those folks. <laughs> I, can't, I can hang with them, but I can't hang with them if you know what well, I mean. Well, yes, and um, you can't hang with them when you're also supposed to be on the job. That's kind of a tough thing to do, so we'll let it this slide. Was, this was after the job. This was after the job. Uh, the job was done the job never done. ends the, the job, job never done. ends but uh, we'll, we'll 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 give you a pass there but um but yeah i mean i think the location's great now that said um if for instance if this conference does expand say to the west if this conference does expand say to the east and there's a lot of stuff floating around out there i think there will be pressure on him to move the tournament around a little bit now i'll say this as somebody who's been to the tournament in kansas city as someone who's been to the tournament in Dallas at the American Airlines Center, crowds are definitely much better in Kansas City than there are in Dallas. Uh, I can't really explain why, because you've got Texas, TCU, Texas Tech, Baylor, you know, A&M back then when I went to the tournament. You had all these teams that were around that could go to the tournament, and for whatever reason, it just did not draw the way it does in Kansas City. So, you know, if you're asking me, where I'd have the tournament full-time, I'd have it in Kansas City, and maybe every few years move it out to a different location if it makes sense. If you've got a a location that really makes sense for most of your partners and you feel like you can really do a good job of drawing fans to the tournament, then, you know, move it around. But, you know, I I just feel like Kansas City is a good central location. It's a great place to have the tournament. You've got, yeah, I know Kansas and Kansas State and Iowa State and Oklahoma State are close, but, I mean, you've got, You've got other rabid fan bases that make the trip, and I just think that makes it a great location for a tournament. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, and everyone knows I'm biased being here, but I just think the power and light scene as the backdrop, uh, the convenience of getting around, the fact that fans do show up here in ways that they simply haven't in Oklahoma City or in Dallas uh, in, in prior years going back to the you know, 15, 20 years ago now, it's uh, it just feels like a very good fit, but I do understand. I mean, heck, if we do get the expansion out west, and you want to go to Phoenix, um, you want to do something in in Orlando, and kind of you know, it could turn into a a trip for a lot of families and a lot of folks as well, whether it's golf, whatever else. So I don't know. I I see yeah. Ormar clearly putting together like an all star style weekend here with Fat Joe. Uh, and Shaq, excuse me, DJ Diesel uh, performing this week. So uh, he's clearly going for this NBA All-Star t- style of feel, and I could see the weather in Kansas City, which you know is hit or miss in March, actually being yeah. a detriment in some respects. Certainly. I mean, uh, I went to the tournament last year and uh, it snowed the first day and a half. Yeah. <laughs> um, this year, you know, I, I think we're expecting 40s for most of the time. I like the cold weather. doesn't bother me, but I can certainly understand if you're trying to you know, like the, you know, when it snowed that one day, the outdoor things that go on in front of the arena, they yeah. couldn't do those that day. So I, I understand that concept of, you know, you want to be able to create a full fan experience. And sometimes the elements in Kansas City don't necessarily contribute to that happening. Mm-hmm. That is true. So let's look at this thing, uh, Matthew. Uh, KU once again finds itself in that number one seed in the Big 12 tournament. Is this Kansas's to lose? They won it last year. They ran the table on the way to a national championship. Or do you see somebody else as the favorite right now? 
Well, I think they're the favorite, but I mean, this is, I think this is going to be a really interesting tournament because, um, you know, Scott Drew was talking about it at the game on Saturday when I covered Baylor, Iowa state. And, um, you know, he put his finger, he put his, took his index finger and put his thumb and put them close together and basically said, this is the difference between the number one team and the number 10 team in this conference this year. So yes, Kansas is the favorite, but you know, everybody else can make a run. I mean, we talked about Oklahoma they're playing Oklahoma state. It really wouldn't stun me if Oklahoma won a couple games. I mean, remember, this is a team that pushed Kansas and had a 10-point lead with four minutes to go at Allen Fieldhouse in January. It's really just an incredibly you know, tough tournament for whoever wins it. But I think Kansas does have you know, a slightly easier road. They're not going to have to play um, Oklahoma or Oklahoma State with that, that, first, uh, that first game. They'll get either Texas Tech or West Virginia. But at the same time, West Virginia is just darn near beat Kansas at home a couple weeks ago. So I penciled them in as the favorite with the caveat that anybody can beat them. Yeah, uh, that that is very true. I mean, I'm looking at the quarterfinal games as well, and I'm saying, okay, Baylor-Iowa State, uh, that could be an awesome game to start things off on Thursday. And then uh, K-State-TCU is a great game to wrap up the day. Those are the two games that we know in the quarterfinals. I mean, this is... This is going to be so much damn fun following this week. It may be the best week we've ever had here in Kansas City. Yeah, it really could potentially be the best tournament they've had there um, so far, and one of the best tournaments in the history of the uh, of the entire event. I mean, you have seven teams that are basically locked into the tournament. You have one that's kind of trying to fight their way in, a couple that you know, one in Texas Tech that very likely will go to the NIT because they'll have a winning record. And then Oklahoma, you know, they probably wouldn't go to the NIT with their record right now, but if they win two games, I'm not sure they I'm not sure they couldn't play their way into the NCAA tournament, but they could definitely play their way into the NIT with a couple of wins. So mm-hmm. it's everybody's got something to play for, unlike last year when Kansas State really didn't have anything to play for and neither did West Virginia. Everybody has something to play for in this tournament. Maybe not the NCAA tournament, but everybody has something to play for. Yeah. Who's So who's got – who do you think has the most to play for then? I mean, obviously Oklahoma State's the answer, but outside of them, of the seven teams that are in the mix, it's really about seeding. I mean, you know, yeah. K-State's a two or three, Baylor's a two or three, Texas is a two or three, I, KU maybe playing for the one in the Midwest, which is also at T-Mobile in Kansas City. So do you go yeah. with TCU? Maybe if they make a run, they go from you know a mid seed to possibly a, a two or three seed. Yeah, I mean TCU and Iowa State both obviously I think have the most to play for right now. If you look at Lenardi's uh, bracketology going into the tournament, they're right there. They're like two of the first four teams that aren't a part of the top sixteen seeds in the tournament. So if you're thinking about trying to build as I don't want to say easy, but as as non-rigorous a road as you can you want to be one of the top four seeds because you get a little bit more preferential treatment and where you go you mentioned kansas being a one kansas if they're the number one overall seed they basically get to decide their road they'll go to des moines they'll go to kansas city they'll be in that region if they're the number one overall seed mm-hmm. um if you're if you're tcu or your Iowa State, they'll try and, and regionally or align you a little bit more. You know, like they might put Iowa State in Des Moines if they're a top four seed for the first two rounds. With TCU, I think the closest regional this year is Denver. So they might go to Denver for the first two rounds, as opposed to, say, going to 
Orlando or Albany, where I've seen them slotted before in previous bracketology. So getting that top four seed is really important. And if TCU and Iowa State can, you know, wreak a little havoc, you know, uh, they would both end up having to beat teams that already have top four seats. So that would help them from that standpoint of trying to get more Big 12 teams into those top 16 seats. And we talked about the Noah's Ark scenario in January when we had six Big 12 teams in the top 16. NCAA could be faced with a situation where they have to put two Big 12 teams in the same region and they could end up meeting each other in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, depending on how things shake out. But I think mm-hmm. those two teams have the most to play for when it comes to seeding. Yeah. All right. So let's look at this thing. And, you know, you said you wouldn't be shocked if Oklahoma uh, makes a run, wins a couple of games. Uh, you can make the case for any team in this conference yeah. making a run, no doubt about it. Uh, what do you see? Who do you see getting the Saturday? Before we give the official pick, who do you see getting the Saturday? You go first, and then I'll give you one after you're done. Oh, let's see. I think I see Kansas coming out of that one side of the bracket. Let me make sure I'm looking, reading the bracket properly. Um, I see Kansas coming out of that that one side. Um, I, I feel like they're in the best shape of any of those teams there. Other side's really interesting and really tricky because I, I like either Kansas State or TCU to get out of that um, particular side of the bracket. You know, Texas is playing well, but, you know, Kansas State and TCU have both beaten Texas. So let's just say Texas wins their game. I, I think the winner of that Kansas State-TCU game could beat Texas in the semifinal. So I've, I've been kind of thinking all this weekend about it potentially being a Kansas-Kansas State final on Saturday just because Kansas is playing really good basketball right now. And of those three teams on that other side of the bracket, Kansas State's actually playing the best basketball of the three of them right now. They won four of their last five games going into the tournament. So I feel like they're kind of primed uh, to to win their two games on their side of the bracket and face their state rival in the championship game. All right, so you have a Sunflower Showdown uh, for the – which would be a wild scene, by the way, here in Kansas uh, City. Nuts. Uh, I was I was leaning that way, but just to give you something different, all right, just to go outside the box here a little bit and say, you know, uh, that, that I don't want to say it's chalk. I'm not knocking your picks here by any stretch of the imagination, Matthew. I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. Uh, but to to be a little bit outside the box here, here's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go in the bottom half of the bracket. Uh, let's see here. I am going to go TCU because they do have the most to play for. And I will also go with Iowa State. Uh, I will go Iowa State TCU in the Big 12 championship game. And part of the reason for that, defense travels well. Iowa State fans travel well uh, to this event. Iowa State does have the best defense in this league. And I don't think TCU, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like TCU's defense has not gotten the credit that it deserves uh, this year on that side of the ball. We talk about Mike Miles and what they can do offensively. Uh, when the right guys take off. But I think that TCU defense is uh, is sneaky good. And if they get the ball rolling uh, this week in Kansas City, I think you got an interesting Iowa State-TCU final. And I'll go with the Cyclones on top. What about you? What do you think of that craziness? Uh, that, that I, I would love that. I mean, you're, <laughs> that would just be complete chaos. <laughs> Um, and you're right about Iowa State's defense. And you're right about TCU's defense, too. And both, both, Iowa State's a high-level elite defense. TCU's defense is very underrated. Ask Kansas State about TCU's defense from their first game back in January. They get how stifling TCU can play on the defensive end. So 
you know, and that's the great thing about this tournament. I, I feel like it's going to be a Sunflower State showdown game, and I, I think Kansas would probably win in that scenario. You think it's going to be completely chaotic, and the fifth and the sixth seeds are going to get there to the final. And both of those things could completely and logically happen. Uh, as good as this conference is, both of those scenarios could play out. Exactly right. Uh, they could very well play out. And if there's ever a year where it's going to just be completely bonkers, this feels like the year. So, by the way, I didn't get your championship game pick. Are you going with Kansas then in the finals yes. uh, to beat K-State? I would go with Kansas. I would go with Kansas in the championship game. Yeah. Okay. All right. So he's going Kansas in the championship game over Kansas State. That's my backup. But just to you know, keep the listener on their toes, I'm going to go Iowa State TCU five and six seed with the Cyclones. Pulling it off in the uh, Big 12 tournament, which will be their first win since 2019, which means you can find Matthew at Power and Light and just uh, dump all the bush light you want on him and make sure he chugs it as well. So uh, <laughs> is that is that okay? Uh, is, does that apply? Can that work? Yeah, I mean, the, the hotel's like about a seven-minute walk from there. I could go shower after that. Be <laughs> You'll be fine. It'll be okay. <laughs> hey, Matthew, it is going to be an awesome week up here in Kansas City. Uh, people need to be on the site following your coverage, also following you on Twitter as well, uh, at Poston's Postcard. Find them there. We tag them all the time on social media from the Heartland account. So just find them there, and uh, you will get a ton of coverage from us that you will not be getting from many other media sources here this week when it comes to the Big 12 tournament, men's and women's. Give me a pick for the women's as well before we let you go. Yeah, I think the women's tournament's going to be really interesting. Uh, they've got some really good matchups in the Friday quarterfinals. Baylor plays Iowa State. Uh, Nikki Collin called that a home game for Iowa State. She's not wrong. Uh, Oklahoma State and West Virginia play in the other quarterfinal game. They split their season series. Texas and Oklahoma have the buys uh, going through the first round. Uh, I think that tournament is more likely to go chalk and have Texas and Oklahoma play each other in the uh, – uh, in the championship game because Oklahoma is going to be able to avoid Oklahoma State, a team that's given them trouble. Um, I feel like they've got a good draw with Baylor and Iowa State on their side of the of the bracket. So I think Texas and Oklahoma get there, and then I think Texas wins. You know, they've just kind of dominated Oklahoma the two times they played them this year. And until Oklahoma figures out how to overcome Texas's defense, led by Rory Harmon and Deona Gaston, I, I just don't see them – them beating the Longhorns. It, it, they, they can't beat Texas scoring 80, 90 points a game because Texas doesn't allow you to do that. Mm-hmm. I think you're right, and um, it'll be fun to see how that plays out at Municipal Auditorium. Matthew Poston's on the show. Great to have him here as always. Going to be a good week in Kansas City. Matthew, we'll be following the coverage, my, fan, my friend. Thanks for being here. All right, you bet. He's Matthew Postens. I'm Pete Mundo. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is how you find us covering the Big 12 Conference each and every day from top to bottom. Going to be a great weekend. Hey, if you're on the podcast, uh, leave a rating, review, subscribe. We appreciate you doing that. It'll take 30 seconds to do. And uh, you'll get a free Heartland College Sports koozie when you send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. We appreciate you being here. A lot more content coming your way on the podcast, plus on the YouTube channel this week. So find us there. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.